0: Welcome to the Uncomfortable Conversations Podcast, the untold stories of the 3HO Kundalini Yoga community. I'm your host, Guru Nishan, and I started this podcast because I love the community I was raised in and I love the people of our community. And the truth of our community matters to me, and your stories matter to me. And so I started this podcast with several intentions in mind, which I read at the beginning of every episode. Number one, to break the veil of silence that has long permeated and continues to strangle the 3HO Kundalini Yoga community in the name of neutrality. Number 2. To validate and help clarify the complex feelings of those who have joined this lifestyle, were born and raised into it, and or who have practiced or taught Kundalini Yoga. Number 3 to encourage active listening to uncomfortable conversations from our community as a revolutionary act of self and collective healing. Number four, to let survivors know that we see them, we believe them, we love them, and we will fight for their truth to be addressed. Number five, to let teachers who are denying, gaslighting, or spiritually bypassing know that what they are doing is willfully ignorant and re-traumatizing victims. Number six, to illuminate the inherent racism, homophobia, cultural appropriation and exploitation that perpetuates the teachings, 3HO lifestyle, and overall community ethos. Number seven, to stop the perpetuation of gaslighting and victim shaming by naming it for what it is. Number eight, to dismantle internalized shame, guilt, toxic positivity, and light mentality. Number nine, to honor each and every body that has come through our community, both named and unnamed. And number 11, to encourage people to do their own research, process their own emotions, get somatic therapy and other support as needed, draw your own conclusions and be critical thinkers, rather than just blindly follow anyone. Your story matters. Please share it when you're ready. We're here to listen and to support you. I want to thank all of the listeners for listening to this podcast, for subscribing, and for sharing it with those that you love and for allowing these stories to penetrate and dismember you to some extent. I also want to acknowledge those of you that are being named in other people's stories, how challenging that can be. And I encourage you to show up and tell your own story. Nobody comes on here as the ultimate truth. People come on to this podcast as a way to share their own truth to share their own silenced experience. And you too may have a silenced experience that maybe goes against somebody else's experience. And while we can all hold each other in that complexity. So rather than reach out to me and tell me why you didn't like the episode, I would encourage you to go ahead and reach out to me to share your own story and share your own truth because your story does matter. And I will hold you in the sharing of your experience today's guest i'd like to welcome shiv cook on september 1st 2001 being a super successful on the outside yet broken and sad on the inside as well as being over 220 pounds shiv was was as she called it kissed by kundalini yoga within four months of her first taste of kundalini yoga her home burned down two days before the world trade center fell and nearly took her with it And this led to her leaving her practice as a corporate securities attorney who was, quote, failing at life and winning in success to see if she could find a more peaceful way of living and being. After sharing over 1,000 kundalini yoga videos on her YouTube, creating a vibrant community and reaching her first million views, Shiv deleted all 1,465 videos of kundalini yoga on her channel in one single evening in August, 2020, just days from the 19th anniversary of that first practice. She has dropped the dogma, ditched the guru, and is continuing to explore life to the beat of her own drum, sharing tales along the way. Nature is her teacher and life is her practice. I want to welcome Shiv Cook here to the Uncomfortable Conversations podcast. Thank you for being here.
1: Oh, wow, thank you. Gosh, you made me cry. I don't even know what the hell's going on here. Like I've literally got tears rolling down my face. Like, like that was such a visceral experience hearing that, which is really strange, isn't it? But um golly gosh. <laughs> Like, I need a tissue. <laughs> yeah, I really I just reach back and get a yeah, tissue. I think
0: really? it's so um, powerful what you're saying that when you let yourself hear these intentions and we let ourselves feel the parts of ourselves that have been covered up and silenced.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. Um, volcanic was- material gets to, like, kind of erupt and and healing comes from that empty space.
1: Great.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank
1: you for being here. Thank you for all of the trial and error of us getting a hold of each other as well. Right. Yes. Yeah, like you said earlier, it's just been a long time coming and it's not like we even really know each other other than from this whole, <laughs> this whole thing.
0: Yeah. So tell me, um, why do you feel it's important to share your story here on the podcast?
1: Well, I mean, first of all, I agree with you that all of our stories are important. I mean, that's where we all come from. We all come from. Sitting by the fire, sharing our stories, sharing our experiences. And because we're no longer getting together, I mean, you know, not be pre pandemic, let alone pandemic times, but even pre pandemic, that we're so diverse and we're so virtual most of the time, that that's a big part that's missing out. And how can you have understanding if there's no humanity in it? And if you're just listening to newsreels and You know, um, I was talking to someone the other day who came across the border at eight years old with a three-year-old sister with parents who didn't speak English, they didn't speak English. Their whole experience, you know, but on the news, that would be a migrant and their children. That's completely different to me knowing their personal story and seeing the human people behind it. So from that respect, I think it's very important to share our stories. And, And also, as you also said, Through each lens, we've each got a different story. If we each stand and see the same event and have one sentence or 500 sentences to share about it, not one of those those views will be the same, not one, right? So that's another, it's very important to have perspective. It's very important to see there are facets we're like a diamond stories are like a diamond there are facets and it depends where the light shines through what's refracted as to what comes out it depends where you are in the experience right it depends what where you are in that play whether you're in one of the main actors or whether you're you're an onlooker which gives you a different experience right so then you get to hear that Um, and then from a personal experience as you said I had fourteen hundred videos on YouTube. I had a million views. It was like some crazy. I mean, you talk about other yoga people, and they've got you know billions of views, whatever. So I'm small fry. That million views. I mean, I I remember my first. When I realized it was eighty thousand views, and I was just like, what? You know, I didn't build a channel for people to watch. I just had some time and thought, well, while I've got time, I'll make some videos, we'll put them on YouTube. And then when somehow magically people find us or whatever, we'll say, oh, look, we've got these videos. And then one day I just happened to go to YouTube to look and there was this thing called analytics. And I was like, what is that? And I looked and it said, (laughs) it said we had 83,000 minutes of viewing. And I thought that was phenomenal. I was just like, what? I was running around telling people in the coffee shop, we got 83,000 views. I was so excited. Um, and I started watching the analytics and posting things, and people started, you know, like I think ten bodies when we when we took it down. Ten bodies had something like three hundred and fifty thousand views. That class, I mean, it was my favorite career, and that class had, you know, it was it was the one it came up on the front pages, and so I put out a lot of stuff about Kundalini Yoga. So I still need to put out what's happening on this side, except you know I haven't really unravelled. I think that's the other thing is how we tell our stories and how it comes out can be it can be different so I've I can offer resources for people to find out kind of like what happened and for me what happened is not as important as what you do with that so for me I took what happened and my understanding of it and what came out was no more so I don't really need to keep revisiting all of that stuff because it's just no more. It, it, I know that that's my equation, but I understand that other people need to make their own. I don't want to be the one explaining it. I'm not Philip Dislep. I don't want to become like, you know, the expert in what came where and whatever. All I know is that was then, this is now no more for me, you know, but what do we do going forward? And what do we learn out of that? What can we take from that? Yeah. that? is where I'm like super interested. So continuing to share that story. So that's why it's taken me a while to come out about it because everyone wants to hear the what, what, what. And it's even I, it was a big part of my life. It was 19 years of my life. Um, I wasn't doing YouTube that whole time, but Kundalini was 19 years of my I left. I left a, a practice of corporate securities law, you know, three months after my first class. Mm-hmm. Um, my first, well not even a class i mean i just did it with somebody up in Harbin, and um you know for me that changed it changed my life kundalini changed my life i can look back now and dissect it and 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 i can make a story that well maybe it's not the kundalini that saved my life it was just the fact that i wasn't doing what i was doing and i was doing something that was better for me you know and it took me to these places and you know so yeah, that we you have an have interior, here.
0: that we can have moments in our life that get us to access our own interior. They get us to access this essence in us that is always there, that spirit, that soul calling, whatever you call it, whatever your mythology is. Mm-hmm. And that a practice, a modality, a teacher, a healer can come in and be the catalyst that, that a- helps us activate us. But it's us that's there the whole time it's not and and i can appreciate the bind because as much as i always knew that i was the teacher i was the guru i was the one i didn't know kind of the subtle hooking around tuning in and the dress and all the other practices that i thought i had to hold in reverence in Mm -hmm. order to teach the neurobiology or the neurophysiology of the Mm -hmm. empowerment of self and And that's helped me kind of extract myself from that rubble to say, oh, I can still teach people how to change their internal state through mind body practices and not call it Kundalini Yoga, which is a culturally appropriated made up practice, you know, Mm -hmm. at least from my point of view, people can relate to it any way they want.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, you know, and it's, it's only if it's done in this specifically. So so there was I mean, there was a dichotomy that I lived with um, Which, and my lawyer, you know, I can, you can take me out of law, but you can't take the law out of me. So the way I think and the way that I process, so are these things, I remember hearing you saying about, you know, not being able to drink soda, yet there he was sitting on the stage guzzling his soda, right, and thinking as a kid, hey, how the fuck, like, how can he do that? And we can't. Right, this, so there are these little things that you start to, start to think of and, and then, you know, yes, you're the teacher within, you know, you put your bow, your chin, you put your Alejandra band and you're bowing to that teacher within. Yet, you have to do it this way. Exactly, and it can't be the done any other way. Within, it's- but then you're told how to do it. You're your own master, but then you're told only so long as you do it this way. What the fuck? That's not, that's like, that's like being a servant, that's like being a slave to your so it there is it's really right. It's a lot to quite hard. a
0: psychosomatic mind fuck is what I call it because on one level it's saying you're empowered and then it takes yes. the power and then you're empowered yeah. and then it takes the power. Yes. And it in fact it's a little like gaslighting. Yeah. You know, it's building you up to saying, I am the source, and yet don't listen to yourself, follow this way.
1: Right. Yeah. I heard something that I, I, I don't know who said it, but uh, it keeps going round in my mind and I just can't get it out. And it says, uh, listen to what they're saying, then look at what they're selling, Yes. right? So every time, whether it's the church, whether it's the fucking yoga practice, whether it's the labyrinth that we just visited on my birthday and I got there and I haven't told you this because we haven't spoken, but I get there, actually, I know beforehand, I know I'm like, cult, the alarms are going off, right? I was like, so happy to be going. And then I like, look up who owns this place? And I'm like, .org, some Institute Awareness. I've got all those words in there. And I'm just like, and it's this big swanky house. Yeah. And then when I get there, they say, I've got to get through this docent and then that docent. And then she wants to give me a history. And it's like baking sun. And I just want to go and walk the labyrinth. I didn't realize it was going to be a contact sport. I thought it was just, you know, outside. And I'm really not happy. And I'm normally quite a quiet person, even though I don't look it. So I'm really uncomfortable. Samaja just said, she you can't hide, because I was behind the plant trying to pretend I was part of the wall and that nobody would see me. And um, and then this woman tells us, uh, you know, that she's going to give us some history of the place. And this first couple's like, yes, they, they really want to hear the history. The second couple's not so much, and we're definitely not. And so she's like, oh, great. And she sets into process and she's gonna tell us the history. And I actually say, oh, excuse me, how long is this going to take? Because it's really rather hot and I just want to walk. <laughs> and I managed to get that shit cut off, but she was about to launch into, but she did give us a little bit of the founder and what is Prattin and it was definitely, and then she, uh, there was a special meditation at 2.30, 3.30 and 4.30 in the garden and everyone was free to join. And um, and this, the first couple were like, they were primed. So they said, yes, we were like, they were like, uh-huh. And she's like, two for meditation at 2.30, two for meditation at 2.30 into the little walkie-talkie. And I'm just stood there and I'm just like, ah! I don't know whether to run. It's a 45 minute mile trip to LA that we've done to go and do this. So I'm going, okay, just stay sheep, just stay. Like it's a garden. Hopefully, she's going to let us go when we get down there. You know, she's not going to take us all the way through. And fortunately, when we get to the labyrinth, she gives us a little instruction on how to walk the labyrinth. And I us, you know, has anyone ever walked it? And there was just the two of us. Everyone else hadn't. Um, and then she did leave us. But there was the meditation at 2.30. But what was interesting was the first couple, they spoke to them for a very long time. They were prime. Like When you looked at the six of us, forget us. Like, that's cool. We've got our thing. Leave us to. I think these two prime they'll come to the meditation they're gonna take the next thing and and it just the whole way and just mm. seeing that you know it was really uh quite an experience and you know we've got, done Hari krishna not long before and that was just for one day knowing right we just went to do it for the one day knowing but this how this happens and you know this this demystifying this fact that people join a cult Right. Because that's what this is. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of hearing that people joined a cult. We didn't join. Nobody joined a cult. Everybody did something. Everybody started something that was in some way beneficial to them. And they got encapsulated within and drawn in, but nobody actually sat there and said, hmm, ooh, look now. I want in. Which cult shall I join? Now I think this cult, ooh, I like that cult. That cult's really, that's like fucking super cultish. I'm gonna join that one.
0: (laughs) I I just think you're bringing up such a good point that we have to get better at our radar system to recognize the symptoms and the kind of the marketing funnel that organizations use to move, like what you're saying, to move the prime, right? Like, oh, they're all like, yes, yes. And they move right through to the next section and how this feeds and breeds on our most Basic primal needs of connection, belonging, acceptance, mm-hmm. unconditional love like all of these ideals that most of us have early, early, early wounded trauma from because every one of us have had a childhood that wasn't perfect, right? Or didn't have parents that weren't emotionally stable per se. You don't have to have had severe abuse to have grown up with needs not being met. So in our adult life, the, like you're saying, you're not joining call, you're pulled in through unconscious levels of magnetism. Like, ooh. Yeah, and
1: through a deficiency. So so there's this magnetism on the hand of, of this, this different thing. But there is this deficiency here within ourselves of there is something inside of us. That is not happy. That is at unrest. That is in dis ease, mm-hmm. right? That is wanting something more. Is wanting, as you said, it's the connection. It's that it's that thing that's been eroded away from us, right? You know, uh, united we stand, divided we fall. The the infrastructure of our industrial way of living has divided us in that way. Social media and technology has only co- come into further compound that in many ways, and it has also helped us in many ways. So it's that double-edged sword. Isn't every sword double-edged, otherwise it wouldn't go through anything, right? (laughs) It would be fucking blunt. It would only be able to cut one side. It would be a knife, not a sword, right? So there is that double-edged sword to it, which means don't pull out the sword when you only need a knife, right? Um, So it's more about how we use the sword as opposed to the sword being bad. But still nonetheless there is that you know double edge and there's that yearning inside of us and then there's that third part i think that says that yearning inside of you can be fixed because it's a part of you that is broken and that's the one that we have to look at what they're saying and then see what they're selling because be it the church be it whoever they're all telling you that you know it's okay don't worry because That's the first part, you're broken, right? You need fixing, oh my gosh. Oh, no, 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 don't worry. You can fix that, you can fix that. You just need to pay me some money. I will tell you what to do. You're going to do it. It's not going to work. I'm going to tell you, you didn't do it properly. You're going to feel like, oh my gosh, I didn't do it properly. And these other people are doing it properly. So all I need to do is, what do I need to do? Oh, I just need to pay you some more money and go to the next level. And if I just work a little bit harder and I dedicate myself just a little bit more, and then I can be, but I'm really not feeling much better. But then these people are, and you get like all caught up and spewed up into that thing. But what if this is just the fucking human experience? It's shitty sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't feel so good. Sometimes it doesn't go so great. I had a conversation with myself the other day, um, and it actually almost stopped me walking down the street because it was just trundling along, and mind goes, "You do know your spirit's okay, right? We've got my attention, okay." He said, uh, "Yeah, you know, all this work on your spiritual practice, and everybody's doing their spiritual practice. Your spirits are all good because spirits don't do naughty shit, right? Why would <laughs> spirits do that? So why do they need practice? What? What are you? But your human body and everybody else's human body. Now that
0: mm-hmm. needs some practice. And
1: that <laughs> to do with a little bit of, you know, a little bit of your attention. You know, and I always said that in my classes was your soul is perfect." doesn't need fixing but you may have habits that need attendance and that's how i interpreted kundalini i didn't interpret it the way that i'm hearing it through a lot of the stories like you know i would not wear a lot of clothes for example and i didn't change the careers and i always tuned in Um, and i mostly wore white though i did start i have worn this top to teach in at the end in the beginning i was completely quite purist But then towards the end, um, I did do that after teaching so many classes and online um, and in the baking outside as well, because I never taught inside the studio. I didn't teach inside and I didn't teach in quiet places. I taught to help people with their daily life. That's because it helped me with mine. So that's what I was sharing, you know, and I shared it outside because my other thing was, it doesn't have to be quiet on the outside to be quiet on the inside. So if we're doing a meditation in the park or on the beach, and someone's cavorting around at the side. I mean, I hope it's going to be quiet, but if it's not, well, yeah, that's life, but you can still carry on. You know, you're the other side of the bloody screen. There's no one's going to come and get you anything, right? And I've got Sumaj at the camera, so I'm all good. I can just like, and then it actually helps us because in life, when we're hit upside the head, we're not in some quiet room or some cave somewhere, right? So we need to be able, so this is our practice, right? So. That's why. That's why I did it. It was because I help you with that practice, and I tried to keep it as you know, uh, as pure as possible. But I wasn't part of much of the three H. I didn't have. You know, I I didn't. I didn't don't,
0: so from the, the time you started practicing, it's always been your way, like the way you've did it. You didn't necessarily, quote, get all into the community. It sounds like you wore white and um, you tuned in, but you didn't wear a turban and you didn't get like overly into like the lifestyle where like the projection of like sexual shaming and like modesty. And like, t- can you tell us a little bit about your journey with that? Like, did, did you ever yeah. experience
1: Well, I guess, you know, for me, so um, my condolini happened super quick, you know, within three months of of that first time, I was a corporate securities attorney earning six figures, admitted in New York and England and about to do the California bar. I worked for the top five law firms in the world, um, was top of my game and super, super unhappy, right? And so then the Kundalini comes and a week after... That was on Sunday. The following Sunday, my house burned down with me in it, nearly died. Um, and we didn't have insurance. We, uh, I was with a roommate at the time. Um, it was six o'clock in the morning. We came out to watch our house just burn down around us. And then we were in hospital all day. So we were kind of taken out of the fray. My law firm gave us a week, gave me a week off. I had no home, no clothes, no nothing, um, no insurance. And, um, and I just nearly died. I mean, I literally just stood in a room that was gray and orange going, this noise, this massive noise. And head telling me I should be on the floor, but just like, I haven't fucking time to be on the floor, but I can't find, I'm feeling across, I can't find that door handle. So if you imagine that your eyes are closed and you think you know where the door handle is, but then you're blindfolded. So you're feeling and you could just be one inch above it and you wouldn't feel it right and you've gone past it so and then i took a gasp out of my um my robe that i kind of dragged because my roommate had come and smashed open my door and told me to get out and then run off and when i got in the room i saw this stuff right um and i realized my robe was dry so i just took in a bunch of smoke and i thought oh i'm going to die right so and then i was on the street so I'm gonna die and then I'm through two doors. I'm standing on the street and there's ten foot flames coming out the front of the house and the overhead electric wires are all jackknifing across the street, going, da, 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 dancing like all alive because they've come down. And neighbor and and, and I'm banging on doors because in a no cell phone, like I don't mind myself, like it happened so quickly. Um and then you know the fire comes or whatever so so that that happened the week after kundalini uh, um, and um, and i wrote to the person that did kundalini with me that weekend um i just happened to meet him and i saw him doing kundalini and i was like wow this guy's doing my yoga you know so i said to him he said apparently he said that i told him oh, my name's Amanda and um, I'm a lawyer and I'm gonna change my life in 10 years. And he was like, "Mm, it's probably going to be sooner than that. Um, And then I I said, I I liked what he was doing. You know, he was doing like the roles and things and I could kind of see like his breathing in a way I'd never seen or I heard him breathing. I could actually hear him. Like I never heard anyone breathe. Like that's so rude, hear someone breathe. Do you know what I mean? So that was really, really different. I was a corporate attorney and i uh i kind of appeared there by accident anyway and he said well you know if you want to meet me at sunrise in the morning i'll do yoga with you so that was the first experience was sitting on a redwood deck watching the sun come up in northern california mountains you said at harbin hot springs no Harbin hot springs i've never been naked in my life before i said i was not going to get naked Um, and i did get naked this is in
0: 2001
1: 2001 yeah I had a whole awakening around bodies you know by seeing everybody naked I was like whoa people look so much better naked than with their clothes on right including myself like because you've got constrictions and like you've got muffin tops and shit with clothes on but with no clothes on you have none of that and you also don't have the labels you can't you don't know who people are absent some tattoos some piercings maybe a little hair something but really it's a Great equalizer, and I saw that weekend as the body being like a vase, and that the the flower was the spirit, and that all of us have this this different vase, but there's our spirit, our flowers, our spirit and inside of these different vases, you know. Um, And I made a vow to myself that weekend that I would just get changed. I would just, instead of trying to hide under the towel and make oneself more conspicuous, right? To try and hide this body that we've been naturally given for God's sake. And so, yeah, so I'd already had that before I did Kundalini. And I wasn't trying to run around at the time and be naked. But I also wasn't going to be prudish either. I found liberation, man. I mean, I got out of a black suit and into the park and you know, <laughs> drumming and, and doing yoga outside. As I said, I did all my yoga outside. and never did any. I taught at the gym, which was, you know, that was kind of, you know, re... Kundalini yoga, a gold gym in San Francisco was a very different place to take one's sheepskin. And I think maybe at that time I did have a turban on because I did wear a turban for a short time. And then as my hair grew and as I kind of was like, where am I going with this? I ditched the turban, but I kept the sheepskin. So I'd walk down Hate Street with my sheepskin under my arm on a Sunday evening to go and teach after being at the drum circle in Hippie Hill in all my whites, looking, you know, completely different and just floating along. And, and part of it being, you know, I think all of us can say that joined in some way that there was this yearning to be different, right? And that that, that really, that was part. That's part of it.
0: Gosh, I really want to pause on that. I, I just think that is such a good point. This yearning to be different and the tie to um, kind of this exceptional superior path energy, kind of this, like we all have this. It's a part of the human experience to kind of have this exclusive kind of stand out. And whether or not we acknowledge it in our own self, I do really agree with you that it can feed that element of us, you know it's like, oh, I have this special knowledge, and when I wear white or I wear a turban or whatever, there's a projection energy that can go out that that other people can read as like oh, enlightened, spiritual, evolve, whatever the perceptions are and and that it's natural and normal to like enjoy that level of kind of sense of importance mm-hmm. or stardom a little bit even if it's masked in terms of giving it back away into service and i think that's a part of like the draw i know for me even though i knew there was a lot of um dogma and corruption in the systems of of kri and and 3ho historically when i revisited kundalini yoga in um 2011 and 12 i remember being so aware of when people were pedestaling me and kind of my love and hate for it, like noticing it, like, oh my God, look at them making me special. That feels good. And then I'm like, oh God, I don't want to end up like that. And so like, I would feel them both. And it allowed me to start like going into myself a little more clearly, like, wow, why do I have so much resistance to being a teacher? Why does this projection thing grate on me so much? And yet, it, the pull is real. Like I would see how kundalini yoga was getting very famous. There were like famous teachers and people promoting online. And a part of me was like, oh, I don't want to shed that identity because I'm special. I was born into that. I could teach this in a special way. And so I, I again, I started noticing the pull of specialness mm-hmm. and how I wanted to almost hook into that identity as a way to propel what I'm trying to create and how that itself is that double-edged sword, right? That as we're trying to birth our unique message in the world or purpose or whatever those things are, how it's so easy to get pulled into the Mm wrap around um, special knowledge or superior wisdom and and how that's just so natural as humans to be pulled into that 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 doesn't make us bad. It's actually just a part of what it means to be unique, special
1: individuals, and have that part of us need to be fed. Yeah, to have a human experience, and I think again, you know, different facets of a story. In that, I didn't, I, I, I personally didn't necessarily think that it was special, or I was special, or that I just that in being different was that I personally liked not being be, being kind of always against the flow, like. I don't know. I owned a house at nineteen, and now I don't own a house. You know, I had a career when I was in my twenties, and now I'm financially challenged in my fifties. Kind of always been like a, just a little bit backwards, you know, where with the traffic's going this way, I like to be going that way, um, in that kind of sense. But I also want to bring everyone with me, you know. And this is again something that I was different for me. Give, even given that I had fourteen hundred videos, given that I had a million views, I've made it very hard. It's been very hard to make a living. Um it's, that's been extremely difficult for me. And um, a lot of that has been a yearning to want to make it accessible because I it was so inaccessible. I never got to go to uh, solstice. My students did, but I didn't. you know, I didn't have that kind of money. All these things were so expensive. It was, you know, just kind of craziness. Um, and these were some of the, the inequities that I could see within the organization itself. Um, I didn't know the level of 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 YB's like um, wealth, individual wealth, because as I say, I wasn't really involved. So I remember seeing Bikram's documentary in Me- when I was in Mexico in December, 2019. And I was like, you know, there's some shit goes on in Kundalini, but thank God it's not that. And he doesn't have all those Rolls Royces and all this. Little did I fucking know. I mean, little did I know. And then, you know, I find that about the tusks and the the jewelry, I mean, I knew they had jewelry. And again, that never really sat with me, how all these people, this church, it doesn't matter who you're talking about, at the top, these people have these jewels, they have this lifestyle, and then there are people who are struggling and I don't understand it, right? Whether it's from a sports star, like just this division of wealth and how, and then they can still keep putting their hand out for Dashan, they can still keep putting their hand out for tithing, they can still keep putting the collection plate out and bemoaning poverty in some way. And you're just like, it doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. And so um so so those I don't know where I was going with that now, but those things didn't make sense. Where was I going with that one?
0: Yeah, you were facts. just talking about the rebel spirit, and I can really appreciate that that are that we can like be into the difference in the rebel energy. But what you're talking about is, like, really being able to identify, like, is what an organization's saying, what they're saying, and then what they're doing or selling. This is where we get to start feeling our own bodies better and not not coming from our own wounds, but rather being able to, like, are we able to critically think about what they're telling me and then what's actually being sold as, like, the, the counter story yeah. of that. And And this is so important because... You know, organizations, religions, political bodies, sports leagues, Hollywood, whatever the places are, these things aren't going away. Predators aren't going away. Entrapment isn't going away. Mm -hmm. Uh, Colonialism, imperialism, the way that knowledge is stolen from original sources and then repackaged in in a white superiority way. These things aren't new to 3HO, Kundalini Yoga, YB they, they they're, they've they been around for thousands of years and we've we're, we're pulled into them through the experience of being human that we have needs and wants and desires that people exploit organizations can exploit to feed their personal agendas and so what you're speaking to really kind of maps out what to pay attention to
1: yeah i think and i think i think one of i think Yes this has happened in lots of places and I think what's always interesting is from a historical perspective what one might view so say like the pandemic for me like I would love to be here 50 years and see how history views what we're doing right now how history views this last 18 months because the 50-year history back on it is going to when you can look globally and you can look 50 years is going to be mind-blowing um but the same, the same with this is, is that, yes, this has happened through churches, this has happened through all kinds of organizations and will continue to do so. What do we do with that information? What, do, what happens when people come out through the other side? And, and what do people do with that information? And as we know, sure, it's not for us to, um, to beat someone else into submission to stop practicing Kundalini Yoga. Right. But it is very interesting to me I've got to say who the person is that can continue to teach in the name of Yogi Bhajan, Kundalini Yoga. That to me, you are a most fascinating person. Like I'd love to get inside your brain because how you can overcome, and you can talk to me all you want about separating the man from the teachings. The man was the fucking teachings. He made himself the teachings, you know? Um, So, Uh, that to me is quite fascinating how you can know this and still carry on like and with without kind of missing a beat and saying well it works well sure it might work but you might like be able to repackage some things or just I I don't even really know like that's what I was saying earlier was that for me there's this point you take the information in and then what comes out What comes out is the interesting part to me of human behavior. Like what you do with that information, right? I've had people message me asking me, please, will you share that video with me? Will you share my favorite video? I'll pay you for this video. Will you please put your videos back? You know, you didn't teach in the same way. You didn't reference him in the same way. It doesn't matter. I can't, I can't separate myself from the man and his teachings because I helped share them. Right. So, and I was just listening to a call the other day that I was going to share with my group. And I thought, you know, I don't think I mentioned him much in here because I didn't mention him a lot, but I would mention a few quotes, you know, Uh, we're not here as spiritual, we're not here as human beings, we're spiritual beings here for human. all of that shit, you know, and, and sure, some of it's true, but the whole guise of that, the whole, and I I haven't even got words for it, but but beneath all of that was this this stuff that is just I cannot get over that once I've my mind knows it, I cannot unsee it, I cannot get over it, and I want nothing more to do with it. Right. So I am done with it. So it's deleted, it's gone, and you know, and enter dark phase. I mean, enter like like fucking but- and no one around me understands because I'm not in a kundalini community. Right. like, And so all my people are looking at me going, what happened? We want our practice back. And I'm going, I, uh, and then I go into the beyond the cage group and I find, you know, some solace there. But this is interesting, right? Even when we are united in our, you know, where we are, people are still mean. Oh my God! They like and they like. There was some like that. I I had one person in there just kind of attack me and come back and keep coming back and again and again and again. And I was like, oh fuck you, I'm out. Like I am not. I can't. I don't have the. I'm not on social media. But I don't have the energy to have a back and forth with you. Um, and so I'll just go. And so then at that point now I'm just on my own, you know. And um and I've got Sully and and Aftar car from the. The original ashram that i was at i was thank god i mean that's where i landed you know i was in hate street they were just down the road from me they were not full of dogma they didn't and silly dada he has hardly anything to do with anyone bless him and was i was totally intimidated by him when i first met him but i used to teach on sunday evenings and we'd sit on the stairs and um and he'd be very serious with me and i'd be very serious with him and uh and uh and we had just cultivated this relationship to this day that we still call one another and we still text one another. And um, I love them both extremely. Avtar car I didn't necessarily speak with, but Sibir Dada actually would, we would call one another um, and have telephone conversations and have some quite interesting uh Conversations. In fact, you were saying about not liking to edit. I was saying to Suri Dada one day something about not editing my YouTube videos. And Suri Dada said, Oh yes, Chief Trankar, I know. And I said, What do you mean you know? And he's like, I, I saw. And I'm like, You saw one of my YouTube videos? I was like, he's like, Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, and there was one that I'd done on the mountain and it's off-grid and it was in the heat. But I'm determined when I want to do something, like I want to do it. So Samaj is like, it's too hot, the sun's too hot. I don't care, I want my video. It was early on as well, right? So I had this idea that I was going to do the video off grid and if I didn't do it that right then, it's not going to get done, right? So we did it, Um, but as I was tuning in, there was a mosquito flying around. So I'm like tuning in. So I just go like that and smack it and carry on. And that just so (laughs) happened to be the video, this to be that, I saw. (laughs) that was just like really funny i mean he had been to my class sometimes when i taught at the ashram because that was the the first place that i taught and the only place i taught inside was the first place i took a class myself a real class and then it was the first place that i taught and the the hate street ashram had this beautiful wood paneled room with a wood paneled sliding door and no uh, no mirrors obviously i never have any mirrors right one picture of yoga bhajan in there just the one um one beautiful big gong and in this very old um san francisco uh, house and so it was just a beautiful very peaceful place um and very quiet so that's where i had my like first experience and that's where my first taught so i got that but they're the only two i've had a relationship with and they were never too dogmatic about how i taught so um, it was a revelation to me to see a lot of that in the group. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I always felt like I had to do the careers, uh, definitely do the careers. I got very, you know, doing that many classes, I had a lot of books and it took me a lot of time to choose another career. And then I had to choose one that didn't have a freaking song that had some copyright to that I couldn't do. So there was always that, and was, oh shit, oh no, I can't do it. It's got that adult ass. Oh no, I can't do that song. And so there was always that. And then I would have to do, I've got all these big cards with all my cue notes on it, Like, so I'd have to write all those out. There was a whole thing going on. I didn't know how to make videos either, so we were learning kind of as we go. And then, of course, in every book, when you open it, first of all, you can only teach the career, but then in every book it says it's copyrighted. And so I was always concerned, there was always part of me concerned that if we got too, too many views, that KRI or 3HO would sue us. Right, because it's copyrighted. But then in the the High Court, I think it was in 2018, through the Bikram case, it was determined that you cannot copyright a series of physical exercises. And so actually, these things are not copyrighted, but I was always I was always very concerned about you know that part, and even then there would be some prissy little three-ho person that might happen to watch your video and tell you that actually it's an inhale after the blah 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 and the da da da. and You're just like, <laughs> <laughs> so there was always that to deal with. So it was a lot, was a lot of uh, so. Within the grieving was also, interestingly, a release. A very much a feeling of, thank God for that, because I was pretty much done. Anyway, I mean, how many more classes can I teach? And that was the other thing. People kept wanting more classes. And I, how many classes do you need? I've recorded over a thousand. Can you not just go back to one? If you were in the studio, you wouldn't get this many, but so this consumption that with this, this, this that if I just get a new class, it'll be it. And if I just, And it's, it's endless, you know, um, yeah.
0: So I think that's an interesting point too. I think it's kind of like the endless high and it's a bit of, um, how I've experienced and witnessed students like this hunger for the next high and it's just a transfer of addiction you know okay it's moving that addiction to this addiction and instead of actually like watching the internal processes and changing these unconscious behaviors and these unconscious energy pulls it's just let's go get another high let's just go get another high give me another class and this is a part of kind of as a teacher like why why people want to hook into us right it's like Oh, just give me the next thing. What can I do for this? Hey, can right. you help with this? It? And it's like, you already have everything you need. My question is, why aren't you listening to what you already know is inside you? And mm-hmm. I'll have students that still pull my energy that way. And kundalini yoga and my experience of like my play as a teacher, it was like watching that pull. It was like, oh, wow, there's such a feed to be needed to like, wow, when a student reaches out and says, oh my God, I love your style. You don't quote him. You don't do it like this. You're different. How that is such an ego boost. And yet I agree with you in the sense that says, no, there's a line in the sand here. I'm not even identifying with a body of work called that because it was culturally appropriated, stolen information that he named as something and called it something else. and. It's such an interesting thing you point out around that, that just says, no, even though I do it different, even though I've made it my own, I'm not doing this because I can feel energetically, I cannot do this and ethically be whole as a soul. And when we can do that, just kind of brush by, separate the teaching, whatever, all the ways we rationalize and justify being able to move forward beyond predatory experiences, without really dissecting them. It just reminds me of how incest continues in a family. You know, we don't talk about it because we don't want to disrupt the fact that our uncle or our father is a well-respected, top military, top political, top attorney, top whatever, top minister, top preacher. And so these things get passed on through generations because, oh, if we spoke up, if we, if we say something, then it will it will break it'll break open and, and ruin stuff for other people.
1: Yeah, and I think I think I think that the, the lack of story goes to help to to, to assist that and that, that when we share our story, so so that's very easy for people to not, you know, to to dismiss it when it's said as a fact, you know, um, so if we go back to mine earlier, you know, migrant and children come across border, right? has no real meaning to it, or what you just said, you know, about some, someone you know being high up. But when we start to share our story, our real actual story on from the other side, then people start to say, oh shit, you know, like this is this this is true. Just kind of like the Me Too movement. You know, I was sexually abused by my employer at uh 19. Then at 24, and what we do as a society before the story was out is we make that person the perpetrator. We make the victim the perpetrator. We make them to blame. We make them out. What were you? You know, I got. I got. Um, I got this man followed me in New York when I was sitting in the New York bar. Just at the New York bar. And I was waiting to sit my, my ethics exam. And I'd gone up to uh, 76th Street to get my hair done at my, the New York branch of my London salon, because that was the kind of life I used to live, um, And at John Frieda's salon. And I had champagne while I was having my hair done. And then I went upstairs and got my nails done. And then I was walking down the street. It was super hot. It was July um, in New York. And I noticed this guy was following me in a van and was, was very closely as I'm coming down the street. And he parked and then he was on foot behind me. And I ducked into a store and I pulled a, a blouse off the, the rack. And I said to the girl, show me to the changing room. as we went into the changing room, I said, is there a way out the back? Because this guy, and he's looking through the window at the time, this guy was following me and it was really, you know. So she said, "Yes." Yeah. so she ushers me out the back and I go out the back and then that's that. Well, later on, I'm telling it to someone. And you know, one of the course, what was one of the first questions they asked?
0: What were you wearing?
1: Is that what you were wearing? I was wearing a short summer skirt and a top. Motherfucker, are you are You really, are you for real? Yeah, like fuck off. Right? So this is what we and so This is what we do with these things. And it's the same with the cult. You joined a cult. No, 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 no. This is a very clever, this is very, very, and it insults it, and it us. The word is, is, and we've had, there's been a lot of talk about this. The word is, is within culture. It is when people do a certain thing. Now, of course, there's this, this insidious part of it. And, and not to forget that not only this practice that, that YB made up, that he appropriated from elsewhere and blah, 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 but also that, that by doing this up here, there was all this other very, very dirty, nasty shit going on down here, very, very dirty, blah, 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 that we don't even want to like, we don't even need to repeat. So that allowed that to happen because this was kind of like the legit, even though it was, you know, not legit, but it allowed for all this underworld to happen. whole culture.
0: You're yes. saying culture allows that, that it's culture because allows of that. The culture. culture
1: perpetuates that. That's right. Culture thrives on that. Yes. Right? It's, it's, yes. It's, it's the very thing. It's the very brokenness that culture survives on because if something's broken, then we can sell something to fix it. So things need to stay broken in some way or another mm-hmm. because then there will be a fix that can be made available by whomever is able to make the fix first.
0: Mm. Mm, well
1: said. If everything's all good, then ain't nobody going to be selling nothing. Right. Not then. The reason that diabetes is, you know, we've got the whole thing. So, so this is, this is a very, it's a very important, it's very important to be looking at where's asking for your money, where's telling you that you're broken, because this human experience isn't meant to be a pretty fucking thing. It sucks. Right. It can really super suck. And what matters is, how do we get ourselves through that? And it's not through necessarily numbing out, but that it's it's through feeling. It's through the actual being in that, in that, right? In and it.
0: In the body, not escaping the body, not
1: elevating beyond it to the spiritual self. It like it's your- okay to be, you know, to not be always up, not be always in this whole like, we are, we've just been in the recording studio. I haven't I haven't told anybody else this, but we've just been in the recording studio and one of the new, we've got a meditation series called Not Your Usual Meditation Series because um, I will continue doing meditation. But I have, a, again, I just feel like I have a kind of different feel of of what I, I'm really not into the like, oh, no, no no that funny voice and that whole like feeling of, I hate all that shit. Um, <laughs> so I will swear and do things like that, which is why I knew I was going to get on with you, but <laughs> that we have within the Not Your Usual Meditation series is the Fuck This Shit series. And so the Fuck This Shit series is for those days when it doesn't matter all the platitudes in the world, you know, you just want to fuck this shit. And so there are different meditations in there. Where, you know, that is how you say it with me. Fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. And, um, and it's I'm doing it. fuck this shit meditation with me. You know, and we, we've got a couple of people that already they're like, hey, man, I know that fuck this shit meditation this morning because it was just like fuck this shit. Because, you know, it seems I was I'm, I'm doing labyrinth work right now, but I was in the labyrinth one day and it said, you know, labyrinth talks to me all the time. Solemn is, does not sacred make. We have this feeling. So there's a society and culture, selves is this thing that we have to be so solemn. And if we're really solemn, then, then that means that we're super sacred. And oh, we're already sacred. Right. We are already sacred. We do not need to be spiritual. We are already of spirit, right? We don't need to practice because we already are. Life is our practice, right? And so we now, if they that what, that just means, oh, oh now it's just me myself and i oh shit now i've just got to be responsible for me and if there's anything we can do and if there's any work that we need to do my feeling is it's to be a better human in in the
0: body show up in your body with humanity
1: bring all of you you know and and be a better human And, and i work again you know this whole making a living thing so i do the doing the freaking retail at the moment which is God's work, if ever there was some, um, because people like you think, when you see people in a pandemic. Wow, humanity is ugly. Mm. So there's a great place to be a better human mm. when you turn up at a store. Perhaps you can remember that the person that you are interacting with is a human being that morning their mother died or had a seizure, or they had a root canal a week before, they're still in pain, or their little kid has got a temperature and they actually don't have medical insurance. So they don't have the money to pay for the nebulizer that they need, or they've got some kind of fucking shit going on. So maybe just right now they didn't quite smile at you and they weren't quite as polite as you might've wanted them to be. And maybe this is just when you did really, really deep in your compassion well and think, wow, that person must be having a really hard time right now. So I don't want to make it even worse. Let me just extend a little compassion out. It's as simple as that. That is worth 100 trips to the church or wherever it is that you think that you go and do your spiritual practice. Because this is is real life. That's something that we've been sold, that we're not perfect, that we need to do this thing. But what we really need to do is we need to be better humans to one another. We need to be able to reach out. We need to be able to see one another.
0: um. Yeah, and on that same line, we've been sold that spirituality has to look a certain way. Oh, if you do this special thing, if you don't cut your hair. You've always got to do something.
1: Yeah, if you do cut your hair,
0: wear it this way, way, way. wear this color, you know, pray Mm -hmm. like this, meditate like this, Mm -hmm. chant like this. None of these things, you know, all of these things and none of these things. Mm -hmm. And that depending on, right, your individual experience, Like for me, I've had to practice the the discipline of not being disciplined because I'm over-practiced. So my, like for me, cutting my hair, wearing color, these things was my practice. Someone else, right? Someone else might have always cut their hair. Or they feel a sense of vanity around their hair. So not cutting their hair, not going to the salon, that will be a monumental practice for them. But no one can decode your practice because you're the one in your body. And I think it's such a brilliant like a reclamation of like our energy is ours, our spirit is ours, and that we're being sold the bill of goods constantly to say, this is the way. There's no one way. At different stages of our life, we need different things, different Mm -hmm. teachers, different practices. We might do the exact opposite at a different stage of our life because that is what we're being called for.
1: Yeah. And I think that's another thing is, you know, if you change your mind, what do you mean? Oh, oh, so you're not doing that now? Now it's this? Fuck yes, now it's (laughs) this. Fuck yeah, no, I'm not doing that no more. Like, just because I started with that means I've got to continue with that forever. Just because I'm with this person now, I was married at 19, right? All of my family was married at 19. Everyone, every generation married at 19. All of them had children before, were pregnant before they got married at 19. Um, None of them will listen to this, so they don't care. Uh, me at least I broke that chain right I was not pregnant so I feel pretty good about that and I did not have children and I feel really good about that too like I feel like best decision I ever made So anybody out there kind of aside not wanting children can be the best decision you ever make you want children have them you don't want children don't have them so much pressure that's a whole another another show Um, but so I didn't have children but I was married at 19 Um, and then I was divorced before I was 21 you know, and the, the idea was that I was supposed to stay there, but I could see, and I looked, literally looked, 10 years, 20 years, if I stay, where will I be? And I was like, oh, fuck, no. Mm. So if I don't want to be there in 10 years, I'm out now. And so I, I did, I, I was out, and my family didn't speak to me for two years, I was completely cut off, and okay, well, that's fine. I'm still, I'm not going to do that, you know, and so... Um, been why I'm saying that,
0: um, yeah. Just we're talking about like going,
1: uh, like oh, yeah. breaking go the opposite. Yeah, choosing
0: the, the opposite thing. thing.
1: So, no, you know, even even with my family cutting me off, and even with being the first divorce and all of whatever and whatever, I don't really care. It wasn't going to work. Lovely guy, whatever didn't work for me. Um, and I think that that there's this thing that we we you know we're told that once we start something, we've really got to finish it. And I do think that there's a, you know, of course, but along the way, you know, it's it's kind of the analogy of the plane setting off, isn't it? It's something like 99% of the time it's off course um, and then it corrects. But if you send it off like half half a degree off as it sets off, then it is going to, it's going to arrive in a very, very far off place, right, just from being slightly off at the beginning. So sometimes we get somewhere and we go, you know what?
0: This isn't
1: this it. Is time. This is this is time for this turn. It doesn't mean I got a lot of benefit out of that nineteen years, right? So I can't ne- negate that. I did, but that's again. That doesn't then mean that that's another reason to take it forward because that's why another that people say. But it works. That's the biggest one, right? Isn't it? Like if you hear. Oh that Oh my one. god. But it works. It's what I need.
0: No, you work. You work. You work. Your you physiology. Don't do that.
1: Thing. It's kind of like the dieting. It's not so much what you eat, but what you're not eating because you're eating this thing. So if you took yourself away and did something quiet, did something, you know, um, like right now, I've I've just completing like a year now of being on the beach at sunset, a uh, sunrise, sorry, at sunrise. So I started during the pandemic. It was fucking amazing. There I was on. I, I did all the beaches. I didn't know the beaches of Southern California. Um, I'd filmed on them. I'd filmed all our classes. But we turn up and I would film two or three kriyas. And I'd do a five-minute one. I'd do an 11-minute meditation and I'd do the kriya. And I'd do three of those. And I'd just go from one to the next, to the next, to the next. So I'd be like freaking exhausted by the end of it. And it would be dark. Literally on the last meditation, you could hardly see me. And I'm like, well, they're meditating. So they don't need to see me. So it's fine. And they know we're on the beach and they just got to be with the sunset. So I didn't really know the beaches. So last year when I was like... It was a month before I'm reading Premka's book. I'm contemplating all this stuff. I don't really know what I'm gonna do with it. Um I'm, I'm also 50 I just hit 54, so I was 53 at the time. I'm having mad night sweats. Um, there's a pandemic. Uh you know, it's just all stuff going on. I can't sleep. I'm awake at three, four o'clock in the morning and I s and Uh, One day I'm at the ocean and I'm like, I wish I lived here. And then I was like, well, what would you do if you lived here? Well, I'd come to the sunrise and I'd do these things. It's like, we have a car, don't you? Like, can't you just get in your car and come? Well, I could do that. Yes, I'll do that in the morning. And so that's what I started doing. And then I would just, I just got a map. And I was just like, I looked at all these different beaches and I just would go to these different beaches every day. And I'd call my friend who's lived here for 35 years, whose house I'm staying in right now and say, I'm at, you know, whatever beach. And he's like, I've never been there. And I'm like, oh yeah, I love it. You know, like, so I'm hitting all these different beaches. So a year later, I know all these beaches in a in a, in like a much more intimate way. And it's become my practice, become my practice, you know. Um, and and then in December, after like, we, we deleted the YouTube channel in August, in november my tooth broke which just led to i can't even describe it i can't even describe how i've never felt so i've never felt like that in my whole life um Mm. and especially given an age thing so there's i'm not feeling old but the body is and so this is something inside the body that broke you know and um it's my bones and i already know and i've got a kidney thing that I know it's leaching calcium, so there's all these things that are, and um, and then this tooth and um, with a lot of money and a lot of stuff needing to be done, so I really just kind of went undercover. And uh, about a month later, that's when labyrinths found me, much in the same way that, that Kundalini did. I don't even really know how it happened. I, I said to Samaj, we're staying here at this house, and I said I need to learn how to draw labyrinths. And then I sat at the dining room table, watched three videos, drew about a hundred labyrinths in a book, um, and then I was out on the beach like two mornings later. This would be about December eighteenth, the, the first time. And then on on uh, on solstice, winter solstice, on, tw- on the twentieth, I was on the beach at sunrise, and I was like, "Well, fuck! I could draw one on the beach." Like it was like it was like it was like a magic idea to me. Um, and so I got with my finger and, was like, you know, and I'm like, I, I kind of need a stick. Uh, so the next day I, in the garage, I found a long stick and I did it with a stick. And then I remembered that I'd actually picked up a couple of sticks and after a storm on a walk with Samaj a couple of months earlier um, when the Santa Ana Windsor comes through and we found some sticks and we're like, well, these are good sticks. And we picked them up and took them home as you do when you find a good stick, right? Doesn't everybody take a good stick home when they find it? um didn't know what I was going to do with it and then all of a sudden now it's my actually my drawing stick and they're really not that easy to find uh so I, now I've got this this drawing stick and I've drawn I don't know like I can't believe it's only been six months actually that that labyrinths have been part of my life and I didn't tell anybody about it for 4 mm. three, I've only just started posting them myself um I it's been very private work that I've done with myself that has taken me in and um it's been like just crazy crazy. I love it. It's it's amazing. Um so
0: well yeah. I wanna just reflect you for a second and just say how absolutely fucking courageous it is to disidentify from something that's so easy to hold on to in order to have an elevated space of influence and the courage that it takes to kind of say, nope, I'm not identifying with that anymore. My spirit is calling me to something else. What I'm here to teach, it will continue to flow through me. I don't know what it's gonna look like. I don't know the shape it's coming in, but I'm willing to listen to the disruption inside and I'm no longer gonna cover it up. And that's what I hear when you tell me your
1: story here. Yeah, and I think I think that, that word teacher, I'm, I'm so like, I've always been so like, I don't wanna be a teacher. Like, like who, I'm not a fucking teacher. I'm here, to, I'm share, I just share, like I've got this journey. And I think that's been a lot of, you know, as soon as we declare ourselves as a teacher, then then there's something to pay for again. And so I understand that we need to, we do need to obviously make a living and stuff, but that, that like, I, that's what makes me uncomfortable in that um, I want to gather community together and sure people can pay me for creating that space um, and there would be some like sharing like like sharing it i i just think that 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 word is so loaded the teaching the god I, I just i don't
0: disagree one bit i know that i have so much i'm unpacking and resisting around it and just yesterday i was talking with a, a gentleman friend of mine and he was saying how. He was like, you have so much resistance to being seen as a guru or being a teacher. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to be anybody's fucking guru. I don't want anybody what? to project okay. their energy and power onto me. And I'm not doing it, you know? And he was like, but there are good teachers in the world. You can be a teacher and not be manipulative. And but I'm it like- works.
1: This is it's the same thing, <laughs> same argument. And also, if we're talking of appropriation, why the fuck are we looking for a guru? We don't live. That's not our reality. You know, when labyrinths came and got me, I was like, oh, you know where they originated? A lot of it is in England, this deep, deep roots in England. I'm like, my culture reached out and grabbed me across the ocean. Like, Your lineage. My Your lineage. lineage. Like, it literally feels like more of me, mm. right, um, than this. It. And, and so we There's it- no dogma to it. There's no one saying, you know. There are people who say there is a, and it's very interesting within the labyrinth community because it's how everything happens. It's the same with the Philip DeStep, no disrespect to him. but I'm kind of tired of hearing his name. Can I just say it? Can I be the first to say it? Because what's happening here, we have to be really, really careful is the work that Philip has done is very invaluable. However, it has become kind of like a Yogi Bhajan voice. It's the only voice when anyone quotes anything, it is that article. So that one piece, that one story, that one perspective is becoming the kind of, this is the replacement for the argument of this is not good. It's not good because Philip de says this. <laughs> and so it is though, like, because that's the narrative. And so we have, and the same with the labyrinths is that um, a certain person started the, re- the quote revival. Then they started like a nonprofit which then started trainings to teach people how to teach people to walk the labyrinth (laughs) (laughs) and to lead meditations. And everybody talks the same, when you see everyone's website, they all have the same freaking the same conversation. And so um, again, I'm, I'm here, I go again going, oh, here I am again. I'm on the outside doing like this fringe work that isn't, it is and it isn't like, and I don't want to be kind of associated with it. And I do like, you, you know, there's this kind of, mm. um, and so I, I think that our uniqueness is, is that this, that that's what I feel with the labyrinth. It asks you to bring all of you to it. It allows you to bring everything The ocean was the same with me. The ocean didn't care that my tooth was broken. The ocean didn't care that I didn't have any makeup on, that I just got out of bed, that I didn't sleep that night, that I was having crazy hot sweats and that I was just feeling so bad. It didn't care. It didn't care what the sky was doing. The sun didn't care what the sky was doing. They all just turned up in their own way. And if I just turned up, they all accepted me in the same way and the labyrinth the same. And, And there were no people there. And there was no one on the road and it was all happened before everything else fucking happened and it all just goes like oh shit now we're here again when is it nighttime? when can i go to sleep mm-hmm. because I, want to, I want to get up for my for my sunrise and then and then making myself do that thing that that's my medicine so i have to now get up you know so then at the one some point last year was getting up at four twenty to get to the freaking beach for five o'clock because i needed to be there before the sunrise and the first steps on the beach and blah 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 you know, and a year later, I look back and go, "Wow, look at that practice!" You know, a lot of stuff is still the same, but I have that inside of me. Mm. And so, this is these are the things that we want to be looking for. what are those things that we can fill ourselves with that we can we can put inside of us? You know, that I've seen so many sunrises in the past year. It's it's crazy, and I've spent so much time by the ocean. You know, in the summer, and because I wasn't working the for like six months of last year. So I was going three, four times a week, and I would be there. I'd get there at 5, 5.30, and sometimes I wouldn't leave till 11 o'clock in the morning, and then I would come home. I have six hours of beach inside of me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm going home with six hours inside of me as everyone else is coming out to start their day. And I'm just like, yeah, man, and I'm going home and lock my doors and stay inside, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's it's all inside of me, and, and it was very calming, you know. Um, so when we start to take ourselves out then then and do something um you know we we would just we just think that it's this thing that's helped us and maybe it has um but maybe it's time for something else you know
0: yeah and maybe it's time to to re-identify with what has helped because like when we're listening to the call of our own soul right a practice can come in i was like oh you need to do that The question isn't whether we're getting the messages. The question is whether we're listening to them because oftentimes our indoctrination and our training and all the things can keep us doing the same thing because habits are real. You know, habits support us until they don't. So if we're getting a call beyond what we've always been, oftentimes those calls can show up in in ways that make us afraid, make us uncertain. Because that is, it's like going into this new dark place for a new metamorphosis of of you to emerge. And like you're saying, it's like it required you to make a decision to listen to you first before the next information came to you. Only for you to have a better radar sense to be like, oh, I see what's happening in this community. Also, very similar. I'm going to get the knowledge I'm here to deliver and I'm going to do it in my way. And that this is, it's like an ongoing practice of listening more to you than all of the training and the indoctrination that you've had.
1: Yeah. In fact, um, in fact, Jimmy Dada, <laughs> I quite liked it actually. He nicknamed me. <laughs> the julia the julia childs of kundalini yoga <laughs> <laughs> and i do actually i was like actually it's just really you, you, know, you know the julia childs of kundalini yoga and i was like I, i'll take it i like it um and actually it was in my bio for a minute um you know because and that was another reason why a lot of people gravitated the people who did gravitate to my class was no offense to the other people within kundin yoga but i wasn't weird they didn't think of me i was you know i i swore i would say things um i didn't have the turban i did wear white but i wasn't so i just i just wasn't so right and so i was a different it was a different it
0: was, you, you were, yeah, it was relatable, it was a level a, of down-to-earth. Here's
1: stuff. the thing, with seven billion people on the fucking planet, we don't need everyone to like us. So it's cool, you like me, you don't like me, you like me, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, it's cool, you like me, stay, you don't like me, go. There'll be somebody else, right? There's like, and I, and that's actually how I started teaching was because there on, online, there was a celebrity teacher, there's been quite a few now, Uh, which was one of the first and love to have big pictures of people in the room with their arms up. Oh yeah, because it just makes, you know, I mean, get people to do that because number one, it makes them feel great. And number two, it's a fantastic marketing picture when you've got a whole room of people with their fucking arms up like this, you know, like regular people that like not in their yoga clothes, right? Um, and so at some conference or whatever, but never tuned in. So this is why I had a conversation with Siri Dada. I found it to be very serious, you know, to me it was like, really, do we need to tune in? Because if we don't, it would be a lot easier. Like, cause it's really hard to get into people to do this really strange fucking tune in thing. Um, and we decided that it was, so I had to carry on doing this strange tune in thing and get over myself, right? Which was really hard like to do on, on online, but I didn't like the way this person was doing it, right? And one day, mine said, "Hmm, well, if you don't like it, do it your way, but shut up. (laughs) Just shut up. Like, you know, let her do whatever she does. And if you don't like it, do it how you think it should be done, but shut up. Right. And so that was the message I got. So I had to start doing it myself Mm. and teach the way that I thought. And at first, I wanted everything to be perfect. And I was quite, you know, poor Simerge. I would be really kind of like, everything got to be just, just, you know, and after 1400 videos, just even like now, you see, I, I don't care. I really don't care. Like, I, I, I don't care. I mean, I do care, but I don't care Sure. See, in the same way, because I think that we are so filtered. We are so manicured. We are so edited. Um, I just said to him this morning, I, I said, well, gosh, I'm actually nervous. He said, you're always nervous. I said, well, I don't know what I'm going to say. He goes, you never know what you're going to say. <laughs> so this like, conversation always goes on like that. I we'll go and do, and I did all my Toastmasters speeches. We'd be driving down there for a seven o'clock in the morning speech. And I said, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't want to talk about it. He said, you never know what you're going to talk about. Even walking in, I didn't know, I'd have like 50 different topics I might want to talk about. And only because I had to give them a, a, a topic, a, um, an actual title before I went up so they could announce it. Otherwise I might not have decided till I got to the lectern, you know, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing that it doesn't mean that we don't get to sit down. I do my thinking about it, you know, as I'm walking, as I'm going about my life. And then I'm kind of interested to see how it comes out. Mm. Um, just how it comes out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and and one thing I would like to touch on before we go definitely is, you know, one of the things I still have and I'm, and, and, it, and, not looking for a solution from anybody out there necessarily so hold back um but just saying that 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 my name is a a contention to me um you know what the hell do I do with my name who am I now because I got my spiritual name right um back in 2002 Mm -hmm. and then started going by Shiv, I think about 2006 because I really felt like Amanda my birth name I never particularly liked that name in any event. but then also that that was the person that did what she was supposed to do, but didn't, right? I was, you know, kind of, but then broke all the walls, as, pushed the boundaries as much as I could within doing that, right? Um, still did it my own way. Uh, but then Shiv was like, this is when I kind of took things into my own hands, right? So that was the kind of the delineation, so to speak. Um, so going back to Amanda, I had thought about that for, I mean, I, that I contemplated that. And that was just a like that was a complete mind fuck. Of, <laughs> <laughs> just, that was just like I, you know. But to my mom, I'm still Amanda, and uh, on legal papers, I am. But everyone else, I'm, no, that's not. Um, so I don't know really. Uh, that I it, it is Chief Charankar, but I it is I'm not. I, I, I go by Chief Cook, so I have my my original last name. Um, it's quite interesting actually Samaj's last name is butler my last name is cook that's our legal <laughs> actual legal names and we did have our raw vegan stall at the farmer's market uh called Butter. the cook and butler for, for a year um so when we did food that took us a minute before i realized that. i was like hey we are the cook and butler <laughs> interesting um so yeah so i so i'm still sheave which sometimes when people ask me my name and then they'll say oh that's an interesting name and i used to say it's from my yoga teacher right and uh, oh yeah let's touch on that part Uh, but now i can't so i don't really know where i'm going to go with you know do i take another name i don't know and somehow shiv or shivi was was used before we can't completely erase the lines of where we've been Right. right, so what can we do and how can we live with how we take our parts forward? And I think whilst also going back to our compassion, allowing others to make their way and do it how they do it, right. you know, and be as supportive as we can with one another yeah. kind of in the meantime. But I was just gonna to touch on the, you know, my yoga, te- I got it from my yoga teacher, again, like when we were at school, we hated our teachers, right? We just couldn't wait to get out of school. And now everybody wants that. It's my teacher. It's my teacher. Oh, my teacher is this teacher. I've got this teacher. I got me teachers. a spiritual yeah, teacher. You're out of school, yeah. baby. You're out of I- grown. You don't need it. Like you're all good. Um, so, you know, this whole like my teacher and the whole very possessiveness of it uh, doesn't mean there aren't things to learn. Doesn't mean that I've, I know everything. Don't get me wrong because... That again is where we go these days. Oh, listen to her. She obviously knows everything. No, that's not what she's saying. She's saying you just don't need like my teacher um, that we actually, you know, we are our own best teacher. We know if we start to be better humans, how can we be a better, be a better human? I think that to me is is where I'm, that's where I want to be. Mm. Um, how can I be a better human? And that happens in the smallest of ways, you know, like Again, in this retail job that I have, I meet some fuckers, let me tell you, like, I hate you. Like, I hate you when you're a fucker. But I also meet some of the really sweetest, sweetest people. You know, I got to hug two customers this week that I met uh, before the pandemic um, at the job, right? Serving them, just checking them out. And, um, and I helped them so much that they actually bought me a bouquet of flowers the first time. Um, they were so sweet. And then they would always come back in. They bought me a Christmas present and I'm their little friend at the, at the store. And uh, they just came in this past week and we're all like, you know, cool. So they, I got to give them a little hug. And, you know, these small ways that we can be more human. In it, And it happens not in the big ways. It happens in the small ways. It happens in realizing that every single person you come across is another human being. We have this way of saying this person, this upper person, this. Low. I heard someone in a show the other day talking about the lower people. I was like, "Oh my gosh, did she really just say that?" She's going to get so hammered in like the reunion thing. Like she just caught all talked talk about like what the lower people want. Oh <laughs> well, honey, you can't do that. Not but in a three show context.
0: You're not talking about in three show context. You're just talking about no, just know. in
1: any context. But the, you know, and then. And of course, in 3HO context, there's definitely that, that that you know, um, like a lot of people asked me, they wanted me to do teacher training, for example, right? I had people write in and say, I really want to teach like you, we um, yeah. do teacher training. So I actually, and Avtar and I have spoken about this since, I called Avtar and I said, you know, how do we go about this? And she basically told me that the only way to go about it was to have a senior teacher, um, a 3HO senior teacher to lead it with me. And basically they lead it and I pay them to lead it. And, you know, and I was like, well, fuck that. I mean, I love you and all, but I don't want to teach like you. And I don't want you to teach on my thing. And like, if there was anyone, it would be you, but no, fuck that. So no, I can't teach anyone. Right. Because they've got to have this, this, so the, this whole thing. So that's all, all of that got dismantled. Mm. And even Dado, you know, when he was talking to me, was like, you know, she turned you, he still calls me she turned. Um, he, he says, "You know, you you never really taught in the in a traditional sense. So there's a there's a way for you, that you could go forward and teach, you know, in your own style." And I'm like, nah. I, mm, I just, I I don't really know how to dissect. I don't I don't really, and I'm and I'm very conflicted in, in even in doing any movement videos of of what I want to include and how, how it is." Just and so I don't. That's what that's what I do. If I don't know, I don't. Right until I do, and so that's why I've been quiet and I've taken a break. And people want stuff from me, and it will come. But uh, but it's it's that's not coming back.
0: Uh, it sounds like I mean. the form in which you're going to be teaching is you're taking its, uh, you're allowing it to show itself through you as opposed to just saying, well, people want it and it helps. So let me just stay doing this one thing that you know your yeah. isn't resonating. Definitely.
1: With. And I want some, you know, like, that's what I love about the labyrinth. Like we did a, a public workshop, um, well we did a workshop up in um, an affordable housing community in San Jose on, actually, there's a World Labyrinth Day, who knew, on May 1st. And that's when we did our first workshop. And You know, they only came into my life on December 18th um, of the year before. And there I am being able to share it. I'm drawing it on chalk on the ground and um, we're painting rocks and walking the labyrinth and sharing it with people. And what's so wonderful is there are no rules. I mean, we just love being able to to dole out like there is this way of doing it. And and one day I was in the labyrinth and it said, you know, solemn, solemn is does not sacred make. And that, so that, again, we come back to that, that we feel like you can be joyful. Joyful is the most expression of spirit, like to be in joy, not to be solemn. Like It's like orgasm enjoy. as the yeah,
0: highest I frequency, mean, I, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not a God person per se, a God person, but I do sometimes think like that God is, um, you know, if God's watching, And so my dad, I would say, is one of the most religious people. I my dad's not with us anymore, but was a very religious person, right? But he didn't go to church and he didn't have a Bible, and not that I knew of anyway, and he didn't quote the Bible necessarily. But you wouldn't couldn't take God's name in vain or Jesus' name in vain. And he didn't go to church, but he felt like God saw him everywhere. I didn't mean to say that he was, you know, a freaking saint, because he definitely was not. However, he did have this view um, that I was felt was quite precious that God was everywhere. So God sees everything you do. It doesn't matter if you go to church or you go to Gurdwara or whatever you do, because God sees you. So if God's seeing you everywhere, then, he, you know, he saw these people get dressed up, go to church on Sunday and then be naughty all week. I think they're you know all pious because they go to church or they go to Guduwara or whatever it is that you partake in, right? But you can actually your life is your practice. and so if God's everywhere, God see you everything, can see everything. So how's that accounting working out? You know like I think one of the best places to look is in your car. If you want to know how spiritual you are, is in your car. Or for me, when I'm checking people out, because every I go to work and I'm like, let's see today, my little spiritual playground. Let's see how kind I am today. Let's see how compassionate I am today. Let's see how patient I am today before someone looks at me the wrong way or says something that I don't quite like. And I'm like, "Hmm." and I'm all not compassionate and not kind. So these are our playgrounds. And these are the places where we can find out how are we really you know in practice yeah which
0: you know the amount of judgment and condemnation and shame that permeates when people choose a different path or choose different practices even to interpret say kundalini yoga for themselves this is this is symptomatic of what it means when it's not actually a a place where you have the ability to listen to the call of your soul while those that, that messaging is all up in the teachings On top of that is, but don't do it this way. You can't do it that way. You're not allowed to do that. And so is it really that we're learning to listen to our resonance? Or are we actually being trained to not in such a deep, subtle way? not listen to that essence inside and it took me a while to figure that out in me because the indoctrination of thinking that these practices were the answer as I would teach I would have a similar people I would have my students say that too like you teach so differently you're you know you're not quoting him and all the things and I really would teach a lot about like the lower, darker energies and what does it mean to metabolize and move this energy through. But what I remember being so fascinated was how bound I felt to be reverent to the teachings. Like there was this unconscious pull that says, no, I have to do it this way or I'll be disrespecting. And that is so powerful to be like, it prevented me from
1: listening to what I knew my soul and spirit was here to do. Right. Well, and here's this is another thing you just touched on. I find quite interesting as well is it's ancient, right? We, we want when the reverence. We feel I well, I assume we feel the reverence because of these ancient teachings, right? So that we want to. What's interesting is that if we got a toolbox from a car that was built in like 1940s, it would be completely fucking useless for any car we've got on the road today, right? However, there is this thing within spiritual teachings that because something's ancient, it survived the times, that it must work. When Buddha gave his, you know, whatever teachings, and trust me, I went through a lot of Buddhism teachings as well, and I'm not saying this to be disrespectful ever. Um, This is my reality and my, my, my lens, but he was not dealing with the life that we're dealing with today. They're not dealing, so you cannot, I don't believe, I think that there's also this, we have been sold a bill of goods that we have this idea. And, we, and, and you think about it with, um, with clothes or with furniture, that something's old and tatty, and then it's shabby uh, chic. And then at a certain point it's vintage. Vintage. And then it's antique. And then it's just very fucking expensive. right It depends where it gets on and it's that same piece that's just like moved and it's the same with artists that you know during their lifetime they couldn't eat they go like they give away a painting for a bottle of wine and then you know a hundred years after they've died people are spending a million dollars or five million dollars to buy their painting Mm. live in this kind of like whacked out kind of kind of way right yeah Um, yeah again because something's ancient doesn't mean that it works. What it might mean is that whoever was perpetuating it and whoever was bringing it forward had just got a very good machine and people are carrying it forward without asking questions. Hmm. Because in, in, you know, the Dalai Lama will say, you know, he's always quoted that you, know, you should um, follow your teacher for 12 years, you should ask questions and you should make sure that they're who they are before you uh, make them your teacher, right? And of course, everybody says that, but nobody actually does that. They see the person and they're just like, wow, this person's fabulous. And I'm just gonna be, they're my teacher. And just by osmosis of them being my teacher. And actually that person's a fucking human being. So guess what? They get up to all kinds of like naughty nastiness, that then you're just like oh my teacher let me down because you forgot that your teacher was a human being the same as that cashier is a human being so if we could all just remember that we're human beings we might actually be able to relate on a human being level instead of all of these distorted ways that we have 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 catalogued ourselves into whether you know there's like i know how i was treated as an attorney Mm. and i know how i'm treated today Mm. I am the same person. Yes. I know how I was treated as 220 pounds. I know how I was treated as someone that society viewed as successful, despite the fact that I was extremely miserable in myself. Now I'm happy in myself, but quite challenged financially. I'm considered, I wish she'd just get herself together. Less
0: of an asset. I wish she'd just get
1: herself together. I wish she could just, you know, I wish she could just. Yeah. 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 This is so weird. interesting.
0: Yeah, it's the conditioning. Like, it's like, wow, okay, if somebody makes enough money, we hold them in this status and then we allow behaviors to take place. But if they don't make a lot of money, that same behavior is considered something different. And it's so interesting as a society how we'll turn a blind eye to types of behavior when certain status or teacher roles are reached. And yet Mm -hmm. that same behavior among a poverty level person is, oh, that's, that's unethical. That's this, Mm -hmm. instead of putting it into that special category of, well, you know, they have needs or whatever. They're so busy, you know, oh, they're Mm -hmm. taking all their energies going to all the ways they give instead of seeing it for what it is. No, he's, he's, you know, manipulating and coercing people into you know, relations aren't healthy.
1: And there's people that, people, a lot of people who, the ones who are carrying on, um, they have a big financial, you know, this, there's a huge financial loss for them. this is a, this is, as you know, you're born into it. This is a way of life. And, you know, they've been so, especially the first generation we can say, yeah, you know, they've been in it a very long time. And a lot of them have made a lot of money and want to continue making a lot of money because for all their simple living, have extravagant taste. <laughs> it turns out, right? Little old Shiva over here was doing a simple living, but it turns out everyone, had, a lot of other people were making like banking, you know, and even people that I didn't think um, uh, and didn't know. So it was quite a revelation to me of what a, quite of a, a money machine yeah. this, really, this really is.
0: Yeah, I don't think people really understand the billions, the billions of dollars that the SSSC brings in we're talking
1: yeah, about
0: billions we're talking serious things lab corp yeah. oversees all of the orgs and we're talking about billions of dollars that are funneled through our nonprofits. I've yeah. seen the tax returns yeah. and the funneling of those tax returns the land holding that's
1: what I'm saying is that's why you can't like so when you when you're a part of a part of it if we perpetuating the yoga, that's that was, that's basically what gave legitimacy right. to the organization, that and the, the kind of the religious organization, which is a bunch of bullshit, um, which as many people have said, you know, at first I thought, yes, or Sikhs. I, 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 my dad, I remember my dad hiring a Sikh man when I was about four years old and he came for his interview with a white turban on. And I asked my dad, you know, did he hurt his head? And dad said, no, you know, it was a turban and he worked for my family for about 20 years so when later you know fast forward another 20 years when i come and uh, the kundalini people are are sikhs i remember him and um and then you know i I would see someone come in with a turban and a kara and i'd know that they were sikh and say something about you know chief Charankar or or kundalini yoga and they just kind of look at you and like he was kind of weird you know he never really didn't really know why um and you know come to find out like oh yeah it's not really part of it so there's just all this there's like so many layers that that then come to come to light um so like I say I the, the layers I just I don't even know if I I think I just let them compost themselves <laughs> um but what I do know is that it's not for me and um and that right now definitely yeah it's but that is. it's it's like everything you know with, with cycles and that's the other thing is this is that that's the human that's the human cycle um and so we right. compost it we take it we go forward we share our stories and then in sharing our stories now you and I have connected we wouldn't have connected otherwise you know there's um so that's where we that's how we have to take it yeah forward I think um, so yeah maybe. and
0: I just think you brought up such good points, like Avatar and Sridhar, Didar, who is your teacher? You know, who is the you know your original influencers? You know, there are amazing human beings that have done amazing jobs to be humble and to teach and to live their life in a way that was congruent to their values, and yet within those choices, it still you know was in this larger system that was perpetuating a much bigger web of deceit and manipulation that thousands of people, good meaning teachers, turned a blind eye to. And I kind of feel that's about what's happening today. We want to name these renegade teachers. Well, they're a different kind of a yogi. Well, if they're still teaching a body of work called kundalini yoga without dissecting the level of predatory infusion, then then what part of them is them? And then what are they just regurgitating Mm -hmm. that's on repeat? And this isn't, there's not one right answer for any one of us, but we have to be willing to have the uncomfortable conversation within ourselves, with our students, with the teachings themselves, with the practices to, to really figure out, is this our own resonance? Is this our own unique call? Or are we hooked on the hope? Are we hooked on this external body that says it promised us a better future? And what is my identity without that better future?
1: Yeah, indeed. I mean, it, it hooks into it hooks into you know, kind of like that Buddhist theory of the hungry ghost. We're perpetually walking around, you know, hungry, distended bellies sticking out very far, with big mouths and tiny little throats. <gasps> we're just like devouring, whether it's food, whether it's our addictions, whether, and our addictions, we just think of as alcohol and food and drugs, but they are our spiritual practices. They are our relationships. They are the things that we go to when we want to get out of how we are feeling. And when we come out the other side, we may not be feeling that feeling anymore, but has that really gone away or has that just been pushed down to get composted in the same way of, you know, I don't really know what it is, but now it's down there. But even though it's down there and you don't really know what it is, it is. So it is, and it's inside of you. And so then at some point something disrupts that and right. you just don't know how that's, that's going to, that's going to be. And, and I think that a lot of it again comes back to the fact of accepting the hungry ghost, as opposed to trying to feed the hungry ghost, right? That, That it is, it is that accepting that this is just part, there is, this is part of it. So if we don't try and get away, I think a lot of our problems come from friction and we cause friction by going resistance. And so if we can take away some of our resistance to some of the things, we don't have as deep a friction and therefore we are not as charged about it. And maybe our morning at the beach will help and, and my morning at the beach doesn't, it doesn't make the whole day great, but that, it does mean that there's this time that I had that no one else got into. You know, if you want to piss me off, like just start messing with me in the morning. Like I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, you know, it's not that people aren't morning people, because I'm up early, but don't. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to. I don't want to. Um... Really. I, I actually heard from my housekeeper the other day. At the, at my... <laughs> i don't believe I'm going to tell you this. <laughs> so. I love her so much and she won't be watching this. And so at the house we're staying, at was a beautiful housekeeper whom I love, but I sometimes don't want to have a conversation with someone. I sometimes literally don't want to speak, right? Um, I don't want to say hello. I don't want to say anything. And this was one of those days. And when we came home, she was still here. I was like, oh shit, she's still here. So I'm like, I'm going to have to say hello. I'm going to have to like... And then when I came in the house, I kind of looked and I was like, oh, she in Girl? she's over there, but she couldn't see me. So I was like, oh, I think I can get into the back garden. So I grabbed my book and my bottle of water And I went and I sat on the sunbed and I got really small and we call it Tom Browning that shit because Tom Brown's got this book where he talks about being out and there's these wolves and he makes himself invisible. Whether or not that's true, um, we call it Tom Browning. And we've done it before. Like we've walked past people that we don't want to see and we're like, Tom Brown that shit. And we literally have like, and we're not necessarily the most, we we don't generally blend in very much, you know? um and so we can talk and i used to have pink hair so we can tom brown that shit so i tom brown that shit and then i heard her come out the house and go through the gate to go to the trash and i was like oh shit i'm really tom Browning. And now i'm like really like disappearing into the sunbed um and then i had to wait to see like then i didn't know when i was like safe to go in um and i was trying to i was texting samaj because he had gone to work and i was like I just didn't want to gather my insides for my outsides to have a conversation. Like I was just in, you know, and that's, so that's kind of how I am. Um, And I think that when I was an attorney, for example I never got time to have time with myself for that untangling to happen. Mm. There's always something happening. And what we can do a lot of times is We want to interrupt that silence we want to interrupt that pain because as much as we yearn for it it's uncomfortable and so we interrupt it but in doing so we interrupt that like it's it's kind of like a cleanse right if you're going to do i do water fasting right so what you're what you do from if from doing a an 18-hour cleanse if you make that 24 hours if you make that 40 hours if you make that five days what the body goes through and and where it can get to you know the same as if you cleaned your house if you had 20 minutes to clean your house or if you had a whole week to clean your house where you can get to and so if you're uninterrupted and you can go all the way through you can get to doing a lot but if someone keeps interrupting you every 20 minutes and you have to keep coming back every 20 then you're only going to keep getting to like here and that's where we get unravelling ourselves inside. This is what we were doing our yoga for, trying to unravel all that stuff, trying to make sense of some stuff, right? But that's time with ourselves. That's, that's, that's just, we're, we're like, I don't have it with me, we're like a snow globe, yep. right? So life, And all we want to do is let the flakes settle and see what's behind it. What we do is they kind of, we let them settle, 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 and we can kind of And then something fun comes along. And we're like, but it's fun. <laughs> well, sometimes the only thing we've got control of are the fun things. That's what I realized as an attorney was I couldn't or, control work, but I could control what I was doing at the weekends and with my free time instead of filling it up. Okay? Mm. So one night I'm in the in the bar station in San Francisco, my friend sends me a text, can't make it to brunch that weekend. And the first thing I thought of was, who else, what else can I do, right? It was to fill that slot, to fill the slot because I only had certain amount, I was an attorney, I was working 60 to 100 hours a week. I only had a certain amount of time, right? So I'd fill that time with fun things to make up for all the work that I did. I deserved it, right? That was the that was the, the talk. Yeah. But then I couldn't get my other things done, right? My things like getting food in the house, getting the laundry done, getting like things and unraveling, right? And one night, so this night I sat down waiting for the bar and I I scribbled in the book um, a little four lines about silence. And it said, um, sometimes we yearn for, uh, in the chaos, in the chaos we yearn for it, yet in the solitude we try to fill it as if we are afraid of silence. Mm. That's how it felt. That in the chaos, I was like, oh my God, all I want is some peace and quiet. And then the minute I got this little slot open, the first thing I tried to do was fill it. I was like, what are you doing? And that was my first realization. And then I wrote a list of all the things I thought I was going to do that weekend. And I realized it was like a week's worth of jobs. That I was like, no wonder I wasn't getting stuff done at the weekend. Because I was like, you know, all this stuff was going to get done. And so we had to start releasing some of those things. That's not just because we need to unravel and we need to find these places where we can actually have the time To unravel and that when it gets to feeling a little uncomfy, that we don't just go and zone out on something. Doesn't mean that we do it all the time or we're perfect, but just Mm. you know, finding those spaces, the pieces of peace, I call it, like these little pieces of peace that we can pop through our day. It could be a minute. So one of the other meditation series we've got is one minute in nature. So I take videos at the most at the ocean right now, um, but also in the meditation garden of the cult house that we just went to um we did take so in there too of one minute of just no words nothing just some nature where you can just if you're at work or whatever you could just put it on just breathe or just watch something for a minute that has got no one talking and then it turns off right it's not trying to sell you anything it's not trying to do anything it's just a minute it's it's just a minute right mm-hmm that these are the things and that when we start doing something, which was what we were doing the yoga. So it made us stop doing something so that we could do that. Mm -hmm. and So we felt better. Well, maybe it was the doing something, right? Um, And so it's the doing something it's finding and it's allowing ourselves to be uncomfortable and, and to be informed and to, you know, I think a lot of times we don't want to be informed because when we are informed, then we need to take action.
0: That's right. And we actually have to feel what that information is coming up. And that's- We've done a lot of food.
1: We, you know, I changed my food and we've done a lot of uh, food information with people. And that was one of the big resistances with food. If I find out where my foods come from, then I'm going to need to do something about what I eat, and I just really do not have the energy and the time and the wherewithal, right? So there, it is. A, it's a, it's a big thing for people. It's the same with the people who are making their living from it. If they don't do this, then what? So yes, it is a big question. But sometimes, like for me, I, you know, I the the line was too big. I couldn't cross it. So it doesn't matter. Like it's a, definitely not for me. Um, whether I was making lots of money or not lots of money. And in fact, we had just loaded 60 hours onto, we have a new, we bought a new membership platform and we just loaded 60 hours of new membership, um, next level Kundalini videos that I did, which were for members only. And it was more yoga, less chat. I didn't go through like basic instruction. I assumed you already did yoga, right? So we would just be like, okay, we're in so we're gonna tune in, we're gonna straight into, and we would do an hour, um, an hour kriya. And so we just done all of that and all of that had to get, you know, it was all, and we, and we had no membership and, and the, the, the small community we had left for the most part, it was like four people left, you know, it was heartbreaking. It was the, all of that was, was really, it, it's hard. I guess sometimes yeah. life is hard. It's, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, to it's choose. A place for something new, you know, and, right. and new times, you know, um, as I said, I'm 54. So it's like, perimenopause, menopause stage where, and and just like you, I, I am all about, our podcast is called Getting the Conversation Started, which we started like 10 years ago. Um, but I'm about trying to talk about these things that we don't want to talk about, about having sweats, about peeing your pants, about, you know, the guys with their prostates, I'm meeting several of them. People, we're not talking about shit that we need to talk, we just need to talk. We all just need to to like stop trying to learn so much and don't, that's right, cool. don't
0: add another damn practice, everybody.
1: Don't don't need Stop to do need
0: doing to do another yeah. thing. Our you have experience. plenty of things. Get around the fire. Still listen. And if anything, start taking things away. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. The resonance is so good. I so appreciate the language you give here, your approach. Your commitment to being true to your soul more than delivering something that um, isn't in alignment. You know, going for the uncertainty is a powerful thing because um, you don't know what it's going to lead to, but you're saying yes to you more than you are um, yes to the image that you've produced externally.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I think we come back to ourselves as a, a roomy quote. I've lived on the lip of insanity, wanting to know reasons, knocking at my door. The door opens. I've been knocking from the inside. You know, oh, I'll say that again. I've lived on the lip of insanity, wanting to know reasons, knocking at my door. The door opens. I've been knocking from the inside. You know. So this is I would taking that through as it's kind of taking that through even through the Kundalini stuff. So. So that's that's me. But then then that the, it's the, that Kundalini stuff that can't stay. Right. So. Um, right. So, at, so coming through that, which is why, like the song, that's why I chose that song, is, is that. because um, Kundalini said it was us, we were the teacher within um, it just didn't quite deliver that. Or, right. or looking at the big scale, I tried to. But but that, you know, that ultimately if that that's the place we come back to is ourselves. You know, we're here, we came in alone and naked and we will go out alone and naked. I mean, that's that's what I learned from the fire was that, and it can happen any time. You know, I was 34 and I was nearly gone and and I was totally unhappy and, and our final reckoning is a, you know, it's like, gosh, what you think might be important. It may not it be. is isn't, you know, and you just go, shit. Like, I do not want to learn this at the end and so these new reminders that we get every time is just a way of like okay it's a new invitation it's a new invitation to see it with this new lens with this you you don't know what you don't know that's right and you that's do right. know you know
0: and you have a new set of eyes to see yes. through a whole different perspective what was there the whole time yeah but you didn't know so if you didn't know you didn't know you didn't know i recently learned something like called the butterfly effect or something that that like if you've never been taught to see something mm-hmm. it can be in plain sight and you don't see it so right. this is what it means to like learn to hear this inner yeah. call more than all the training of what we've been taught is right or wrong or good or what the world needs or what i'm supposed to do or that that snow globe <sighs> mm-hmm. Instead of just being like, oh, wow, look at everything unraveling. Look at how everything that I thought would be is actually disintegrating before my eyes. Maybe I need to lean back and listen from a different vantage point.
1: Right. And as we go through our own personal seasons, as well as things changing around us, we're going to be, we are to adapt and change, you know. And um, we're not always going to be the same. We're not always going to think the same. We're not, not the same thing's not always going to work for us. You know? yes. And so we can bend like a twig. I mean, we can snap like a twig or we can bend like a willow, you know? And so we need more willow about us. We need to be more flexible. And our inner flexibility can often come from giving it outerly. And right? yes. so that's that compassion again of, when we become more flexible with people outside of ourselves and we become more flexible with with ourselves and you know that's lifelong work for me i want everything to be like you know perfect and on it um and then control and of course absolutely you know not at all um and that's that's our ride that's where we get to ride the wave and, and it's how we how we uh, how we keep coming back up because life's going to it's going to get us down and it's going to stop us. Yesterday I was thinking about stop and go traffic, you know? So it's like, like life's like stop and go traffic and it can be quite fucking annoying. But you don't just go, oh, fuck it. I'm not going to, I'm going to just stop or I'm going to get off. You have to keep going. And then at some point you get to cruise, right? And then you might get stop and go again. It's just life. Like if we just kept going, this is life instead of why is this happening to me and looking for meaning and everything and looking to fix every single thing. Then we'd have just a much smoother journey, I feel, mm. and, and we wouldn't. Oh, so we wouldn't be paying so much to other people, other fools who, you know, they don't have their shit together either. People like, hello, like if only you could see them on that. This is, this is the whole, you know, filtered world that we live in. So, it's the
0: racket. It's the yeah. racket of certification. Racket. Like, certify your damn self. You're the fucking damn authority. Certify oh your damn self. And start living according to what you know your soul wants. Like, there you go. And all of the things that makes that hard is called your personal indoctrination. So work that shit out because it comes from your parents. It's literally your mom and dad's thought process living through your own psychology. It's your culture, right? It's your society. It's all the layers of ourselves that prevent us from really shining like our magnificent selves. Yeah. That's right, gosh, you're brilliant. I just love and appreciate you. Um, before we go into your song, I'd like to know if there's anything more about your experience that you'd really like to share with us here
1: I think, I think that one of the things you-
0: Well, Shiv, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast, and I'd like to go into your song. I know you shared with me um, the importance of this song in the sense that it, it really speaks to um, listening to the soul from within ourselves as opposed to the external lens of the right and the wrong ways. So um, this song she has chosen is called The Healing Room by Sinead O'Connor so as you know we don't play the whole song because of copyright issues but there is an uncomfortable conversations podcast and you can listen to it and let's go ahead and listen in to her song here Sinead O'Connor and here we go
1: have a you ever inside me?
0: Just love those words. I have a universe inside me where I can go and get the answers if I just listen. Spirit can find me. Spirit can find me. Beautiful. So beautiful. What a great message. I think the importance for all of us to really dissect how, what we were taught about that, that the teacher is ourselves. And yet in that very same sentence, we were taught the opposite of how to seek externally and how convoluted when there's mixed messages that get encoded into our psyche and into our loins, it makes it very, very challenging to use our will as our own. Because essentially when, when indoctrination hooks into our will, we think we're acting on our, on our own behalf And we're actually unconsciously being acted on. And it's a very, very subtle distinction and a very, very entangled, it it mimics codependency and enmeshment. And we live in historical codependency and enmeshment. So to unwind that is tough because there's a level of familiarity and comfort in it. So spirituality and spiritual communities and religious communities purposely perpetuate that as a way to control us and to have a power dominant model. So beautifully said, thank you for your teachings. I would love um, everyone to hear how they can get in touch with you. If they wanna follow your work, um, you and Samaj, I know you do beautiful work. Let us know how to, how to reach you.
1: Yeah, we're most on most social media platforms as the feel better community. That's what we think it's all about. At the end of the day, we all want to feel better and we want to do it in community. Um, so, The feel better community. That's what we're all about. Say that one more time because your voice just came. Oh, the feel better community. So all about feeling better and doing it in community. So at the feel better community, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook beautiful at the feel better
0: community follow Samaj and Shiv as they reinvent themselves listening to their own spirits and their own calls on the soul to share how we can take our own lives back and our own energy back and be guided by our own soul source inside thank you so much thank for being too. a part of today's episode this concludes another episode of the uncomfortable conversations podcast the untold stories of the 3HO Kundalini Yoga community. I want to thank you for listening. I also want to thank you for all the contributions that we've received. If you'd like to make a one-time or monthly donation, you can donate at gurunishan.com forward slash uncomfortable conversations. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, please don't hesitate to send me an email at gn at gurunishan.com. You can also subscribe and follow and support my provocative truth-telling work at gurunishan.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please like, share and subscribe to the podcast and share it with someone in our community that hasn't had a chance to listen because there is a revolution in learning to listen to ourselves and learning to listen to others. Have a great day and we'll talk to you on the next episode.